that is your prayer, that uh, you understand that it is in Christ alone. We are in a series on the parables of Jesus Christ. Last week, we got into a section uh, of the parables known as the stewardship parables. And last week, we talked about the parable of the unjust steward. And in that parable, we're reminded of the idea that we have to think eternally, not just earthly. And that it is wise for us to invest in things that matter for eternity. This morning, we're going to look at a very straightforward parable, but it is packed full of stuff, particularly for us in our culture. And it is actually the parable of the profitable servant. Uh, It's found in Luke chapter 17. Let me give you a a little bit of insight to that chapter. Uh, In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking to uh, his disciples. And the first part of the chapter is kind of packed with all kinds of things about the idea of uh, not offending little children, not being a stumbling block to people. It talks about the idea of forgiving people. It talks about the idea of faith. And then Jesus is going to jump into this parable, and then after this parable, we're going to go into the story, he's going to go into the story of the lepers, the ten lepers who were healed, and only one came back grateful. And that really plays into this story, this parable that Jesus tells as well. So with that in mind, let me read the parable. Here's what it says, Luke chapter 17. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing and looking after sheep. Well, he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, this is an interesting parable, and one of the reasons we struggle with this is because we don't understand the culture of the time or the, the, the background behind the way the world worked during this time. When Jesus is speaking about this parable, you need to understand that by some estimates, anywhere between 50 and 60 or 65 percent of the world was a slave. And in that culture, being a slave was not necessarily a bad thing. Often what would happen is, and we learned this in one of the parables that Jesus has already told, where he tells the parable about the guy who goes to the market and hires everybody at the beginning of the day, and then he comes back a little bit later and he hires more. And he in some of that culture, what would happen is you would get up in the morning, you didn't have a job. So you would go to the marketplace and you would stand there in hopes that somebody would come along and hire you. So somebody in our culture, actually, there are some places in the country this this happened, where they have places where you can literally, my dad did this when we were in Dallas. He, there, was a, there was a place where you could actually go, you pull up, you tell people what you want, and you find out if there's anybody there that has that experience, and you can hire them for the day. So my dad needed a fence tore out, and he walked up, and he goes, anybody here got any experience with that? And he hired a couple of guys. They went home with him. He paid them at the end of the day, and, and that's the way it works. So these people show up waiting for somebody to hire them. If nobody hires them, then they go home hungry. 
Well, in this particular story that Jesus tells, this is an unusual servant. This is a servant that really has it very, very good. Uh, so in this particular story, Jesus says that this is a guy who apparently he's, he's the, the hired guy for the farm. And it's a small farm. It's a, it's a, it's a one-employee farm. And this guy takes care of the sheep. And then when he gets done with the sheep, he comes in and he cleans himself all up. He washes himself up. And then he makes supper for his master. And then when the master eats, he then takes, he cleans up after supper and takes care of the dishes and everything else. And then he sits down to eat. That's the way it worked. That's what he was on. Now, it was incredible. It was great for this guy because here's the thing. This guy didn't have to worry every day whether or not he had a job. At the end of the day, this guy got to eat every single day. Most likely, this guy had a place to live right there where he could just walk out the door and go to work. Our com- uh, the common idea for us is it's, he's a hired man for this guy. So Jesus tells this story, and he said, and again, to this culture, everybody got this. Everybody understood this. And he said, so when the guy goes out and works all day, and he's taking care of sheep, and he walks in the house, he said, does the master look at him and say, you know what? It's been a tough day for you. You just prop up your feet right here. I'll go make supper for you and I will serve you. He said, Jesus said, is that the way this works? And everybody in their mind goes, that don't happen like that. When he comes in from working, does the master look at him and say, oh, thank you so much for taking care of the sheep today. I appreciate it so much. You did such a great job with the sheep. Does that happen? No. He said, you understand that what happens is he does his job. And at the end of the day, his attitude should be, I don't deserve this job. I've just done what was expected of me to do. There's nothing spectacular about what I did today. I did my job. Nobody pats me on the back. Nobody tells me what a wonderful person I am. Nobody puffs me up and builds me up so that I can come back to work tomorrow. No, you do your job. And at the end of your job, you get a meal. And you've got lodging. You've got a place to stay. And you need to be grateful for that. Now, the problem is, boy, you talk about this in our culture. Whoa. And we'll get to that in a minute. Believe me, we'll get to that. But in this story, you have to understand the bigger context. And in a bigger context, here was the idea. And this is what Jesus starts to hammer away at over and over again. But this is really also an attack on the mindset of the Pharisees. Because you see, the Pharisees had this idea that we do all of these things for God. And because we do these things for God, God is obligated to do certain things for us. In other words, we tithe and we pray and we fast twice a week and we do all these things. And because we do all those things, God, we expect God to do things for us. We expect God to bless us. We expect God to give us things. Why? Because we are doing things for him and he ought to appreciate it. And Jesus confronts this mindset where he says, you need to understand that that's not the way it works. You need to understand that that's not what it's about. That's not the way God works, where God's your magic genie in a bottle, so to speak. In fact, what's interesting in this story is the story that follows this. 
The story that follows this is about 10 lepers who Jesus heals, and only one comes back and says, thank you. Because you're going to find that gratitude is tied to this idea of a servant's heart. So as we get into this, um, we need to understand. Now, here's the problem, and this is where we struggle. Jesus is later going to tell his disciples, John chapter 15, Jesus is going to look at his disciples, and one of the things um, that he's going to talk to them about is this idea of um, you're no longer slaves, but sons. And the Galatians, the writer is going to talk to us about we're no more we're, we're no more we're no longer slaves but sons. In in um, John 15, Jesus says you're no longer slaves but friends. So which is it? Are we a slave, or are we a son, or friend? And the answer is yes. We're both. One has to do with the mentality. One has to do with the position that we have with God. So we have to understand that as we go into the, uh, into the passage. So um, let's just talk about some uh, three key things that I think will help us as we deal with this. Um, before I do, let me, ask you, let me get you to ask yourself these questions. You want to find out whether or not you have a servant's mindset? Here's a couple of good test questions as we head into this. Do you blame people for your failures or difficulties? Or you take ownership of it yourself? Do you get frustrated over the gap between what you deserve and what you get? Do you get angry at people who fail you and hold grudges against them? Do you get disappointed with God because he hasn't come through for you when you think he should? See, the answer to those questions should give you a little bit of an impact or a little bit of insight into your heart. Because what Jesus is talking about in this parable is that his followers, children of the light, should have a mindset of a servant's attitude that we are thrilled to be able to serve the master. And the the problem is, particularly in American Christianity, we've lost that. We've lost that idea. And we've become somewhat like the Pharisee. (coughs) Look, God, I went to church this week. How dare something bad happen to me? I mean, really. Really? It's like, okay, God, you don't understand, God. I, you know what? I gave money this week, so I don't understand why I'm still having trouble with my bills. You should bless my socks off. In fact, I'm going to give you more, not because I love you. I'm going to give you more because I want you to give me more. I'm going to give you this so you do this for me. That's not the mindset of a servant of God. And that's what he's addressing in this passage. Let's talk about a couple of servant principles as we head into the week. Here's the first one. Servant work is not spectacular work. It's just common, ordinary, everyday stuff. And if you think about it for a minute, if you look at Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, when God picks people to use, you know who he often picks? The ordinary. Not the extraordinary, the ordinary. In fact, Corinthians says it this way, God has chosen the foolish, the things that the world looks at and goes, I don't get it. Why in the world is that happening with them? You know, I look at this church. I mean, come on. 
We're in the middle of a cornfield. And being pastored by a guy who grew up in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, really? You know, I look at it and go, God, you've got an awesome sense of humor. But seriously, it's like God just goes, okay, I, I am the least, the least qualified person to be a pastor in rural Iowa. I, you want to know how bad it was? And I didn't realize this until just now. Somebody walked in this morning and went, oh, the rain helped because the corn's tasseling. And I said, so what does that mean? I've been here almost 30 years. I still didn't know that was what we were waiting for. And then they explained to me, oh, by the way, you know what comes next? We start getting little ears on it. I'm like, oh, good. I'll start looking for that next. I'm just happy we got rain. Why? Because God, look, servant, uh, God using the servant mentality, it's just ordinary stuff. It's nothing that, that's spectacular. It's nothing that, 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 that's exciting. I like what one guy said. He said this, serving doesn't make you a servant. Think about that for a minute. You can be a volunteer and serve. But if you're a servant, you will serve. And I think a lot of us, what we do in our life is we're volunteers instead of servants. And we miss it. You want to see the mindset of Jesus as a servant? He kneels down and washes the dirty, nasty, stinking feet of 12 people, including one who is literally going to use those feet to walk out and betray him. That's a servant mentality. King of kings, Lord of lords, on his knees, doing something that in that culture you could not even ask your slave to do. Why? Servant's heart. Servant mentality. He didn't come for himself. He came to seek and save those law. He didn't put himself first. He decided to put us first. That's a servant mentality. And that's why Jesus talks about this. It's not spectacular work. Second thing about it is this. It, is, it never ends. Serving is, is sacrifice. It's ultimately sacrificing, putting somebody else in front of you. And it never has an ending to it. In this story, what happens? The guy's been working in the field all day long. He comes in. What does he do? Cleans up. Why? So he can go to his indoor job, which is now making a meal. And then when the meal's over, again, this isn't a world of microwaves, dishwashers, and paper plates. This is a world where it takes some effort to make a meal. And you have to clean up afterwards. And you're hauling water. You're not turning on a spigot. This is some serious work. And at the end of that, then he gets a meal. By the way, you hear me talk often in Scripture, there's layers to these stories. If I'm a servant of God, when does the reward come? At the end. When does this guy get his reward, his meal? At the end. Don't expect to get rewarded here. It's not about here. That's why. What is the one thing a good a, a, a believer longs to hear from God when we leave this world? 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's why this is so important. That's why when Jesus tells this story to us, it just seems like it's a, well, I think you ought to be more grateful to the guy. Why? He's a servant. And that's what Jesus is saying. That needs to be our mindset, that we serve God with our whole heart. It's not about getting rewarded here. It's a, it's a whole world of sacrifice. And, I, you know, I think sometimes we forget that. That's why I would say, you want to know where, you get, you know where the biggest, biggest way you can serve right now? Your spouse. I'm going to suggest this. I'm going to suggest, for those of you that are married, I'm going to suggest that you never be able to go to bed at night until you have figured out one thing that you have served your spouse and done for them. I tell couples when, they, when they're going through marriage counseling, a great marriage is two people trying to outserve and outlove each other. Now, my wife did it the other day, Friday, Friday morning. I was in the office. I was working. She came in. We were talking about some stuff and trying to get some stuff ready for vacation. And, and, and as we're, we're working on it and everything else, she was getting ready to do dishes, and she noticed my coffee cup was sitting there, and, and it was empty. And so she went to grab my coffee cup to go put it in the dishwasher. I was like, whoa, 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 no. I said, I said, people lose hands over stuff like this. <laughs> uh, you know, but again, it was her attitude of, I, I can help out. I'll take this coffee cup into the sink and wash it for. No, 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 no. But it's that idea. It's that idea. She was thinking about, I can do this for him. That's the mindset. And, and what I would say to you, you know, you, you go, well, you don't understand. I've worked hard all day long. Uh, it's not like she sat with her feet up eating bonbons watching TV all day. And if you don't believe me, tell her to take a day off. You do her job for the day. You'll be thrilled to go back to work. And, you know, we get this mindset sometimes. And it's so important that we, we understand. And it's a world of sacrifice. And that's ultimately, is that not ultimately what love is? For God so loved the world that he gave? It's that mindset. And so I want to challenge you that, that it's a world of sacrifice and, and understand that it's a world that's not glamorous world. It's not spectacular stuff. Last thing is this, and I think this is the big part of the story. I think that's why the leper story follows this. You have to be very careful in this world of entitlement. You have to be very careful in this world of wanting people to reward and acknowledge you for your service. Servants don't get acknowledged and rewarded for doing what they're supposed to do. And unfortunately, we're in this world where, you know, and again, I hear it from people my age and older. Well, you know, this younger generation, you know, I mean, they just don't appreciate blah, 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 blah. Stop. You want to know whose whose fault it is? It's ours. We created it. And we started telling kids things like, well, thank you for coming and competing And here's a participation trophy. You showed up. We're going to reward that? Really? You showed up? Because now we have a generation that's going, well, I just got my review, and they told me there were things that I could improve, and I don't like that, so I'm going to quit and go find another job. Well, you don't understand. I worked all day today. My boss doesn't appreciate me. You got a job. 
you don't get brownie points for going to work. That, why? Because a servant doesn't do that. It doesn't happen in a servant mentality. And one of the things I like what one guy said, <laughs> I read this this week. I said, I'm not a glass half full kind of guy or a glass half empty kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy that has, is happy to have a glass. And I thought, what great insight. You know, that is so true. I, I tried to think of it because here's the attitude. The mindset that Jesus is trying to teach in his parables is this guy should be grateful for the job that he had. That he could do it because a lot of his friends didn't have the security he had. And at the end of the day, his attitude needed to be, I'm unworthy of all of the things that I've been given in this job. He said, that should be the attitude. Now, I tried to think of how to illustrate this. This is going to be a stretch a little bit, but I think, I think this will help you. Nothing else, you won't forget it. Um, so here's the idea. I've got to give you a backstory first. All right. Um, <clears throat> paper towels, roll paper towels. So let me tell you about our house. When we build our house, I'm I'm a I'm one of these people that I hate wasted space. So I mean, I find every nook and cranny for storage stuff. Like when we built this building, I'm like, there's a whole lot of space underneath the platform we're not using. We built little rolling things so we keep all the decorations underneath the stage. They roll out and stuff like that. that that's my mindset on stuff like this. Okay. So I went in our utility room, and I looked, we had the cabinets, the utility room, I looked at that space between the cabinet and the ceiling, I'm going, that's wasted space. So I put cabinets up there. The problem is, you can't reach them, unless you get a step stool. And so, for years, as long as we've been in that house, I have, my wife, when we have paper towel holder in the kitchen, when the paper towel holder gets on, Gene would say, hey, I need paper towels, and I would get them down. Now, a couple years ago, what happened was we moved the paper towels to the back room. because We got shelves and storage and everything in there, and so we've got them all stored there. So now they're 20 feet away at eye level. So for the last couple of years, I'd walk in the kitchen, and we'd need paper towels. And I'm like, why don't we have paper towels? It's a 20-foot walk. You have eyes. You can see that we need paper towels. Why are you waiting for me to do it? I don't understand that. So a, a couple of months ago, I mean, uh, this started bothering me. You know how we, stupid things like that bother you? As a, as a... So I just thought, I want to see how long we'll go. <laughs> so three or four days later, it's still empty. Finally, I couldn't take it. I had reached my limit. Four days of no paper towels. That was my limit. And I said, so I walked in and I said, I, I got it. Gene was in the kitchen at the time. I walked in and said, I got the paper towels. I put them on. I said, honey, let me ask you something. How come you don't ever put the paper towels in there? I mean, they're in the back room now. You don't have to get a step stool. It's, they're easy to get to. You can see them. They're right there. And my wife in her loving way, looked at me and said, who do you think restocks the toilet paper? <clears throat> I assumed the toilet paper fairy <clears throat> was 
walked into the three bathrooms that we have on our house, one on each floor, and miraculously restocked toilet paper every week for the last 20 years. And I started to realize, now wait a minute. She's doing this, and it's not this. It's really... It's really this. And she's walking up and down three floors to do it. To put toilet paper in all the bathrooms so that we don't run out of toilet paper. And I started to realize, well, and you know how this goes, guys. I am doing the paper towels. Have you noticed my sacrifice? Have you noticed the effort that I have to go to to walk 20 feet and get a new roll of paper towels because you're too lazy to go and put the paper towels on a paper towel rack? I didn't say that. (laughs) But that's my mindset. That's my mindset. Until... She brought out, oh, you want to play the comparison game? Let's talk about what I have been doing as a servant. And by the way, have you ever heard me complain about doing this? No. Have you ever heard me bring it up? No. Have you ever heard me say, I don't like doing this? No. But I was not wise enough and had to bring up you know what we do with God? God, this is what I'm doing for you. Pay attention, God. God, did you notice what I'm doing for you? You need to go do something for me. And the reality of it is, the whole time, God's doing all kinds of things for us. Our heart keeps beating. Our lungs keep breathing. We have more resources that we know what to do with. We actually live in a culture where we have to buy more storage in order to store the excess stuff that we have. We water our yards or our gardens with cleaner water than most people get to drink in the world. We flush our toilets with cleaner water than most people get to drink. We actually have money left over that we can invest in different places. All because God has been good to us. And we, God, did you notice what I did? How silly is that? Because what's happened is we have stopped to forget and we have forgotten how good God has been to us. I was in college, the chance. Founder of the university used to say this. When, adi- when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh dead. There's a lot of truth to that statement. I think that's the reason, by the way, the next story Jesus tells is the healing of the lepers where one guy comes back and says, thank you. Why? Because this attitude of starting to realize what we really have. And how much has God has really done should give us the attitude of, I'm unworthy of any of it. 
I don't deserve any. Thank you, God. How can I serve you? What can I do? Do you think, since we've had this discussion, I have ever brought this up again? I'm smart enough now, if I even think we're going to run out of, I'm changing it out. Why? Because I started to realize she's doing far more when it comes to paper supplies in the house than I am. She's, she's done so much in taking care of those things that I didn't think about. Why? Because she's serving. And she was serving without wanting the attention. And the only reason she brought it up to me was because I'm the one who went, pay attention to me. See what I'm doing for you. And I probably use more paper towels in the kitchen than she does anyway. And I I say that because I think sometimes we forget this. And and the reality of it is, so, so we are like the Pharisees, and we want to run around and we want to show God what we're doing in order for God to go do something for us and say, see, God, you're obligated to me because I'm doing this for you. And the reality of it is, we're simply servants. He's our Lord. He's our master. We should be doing it for his honor, for his glory, to serve him because of how much he's done. He gave you salvation. You can't earn that. And you don't deserve it. Neither do I. He gave you eternal life with him. And I want to challenge you because I think sometimes we, we forget this. And we want, to talk about, <clears throat> we want to talk about this idea of how much we have done. In this story... One of the things that Jesus does is he brings this point home. And he says, look, you need to understand. The profitable servant is the one who at the end of the day says, I'm unworthy to even have this job. I am grateful for the opportunity to be able to serve and do anything for the kingdom. Do anything for my master. So I end this morning with this. The parable of the unprofitable servant reminds us that we should all possess a servant mentality. An attitude of entitlement has no place for the disciple of Jesus Christ. A servant mentality focuses on sacrifice, duty, and responsibility that will honor our Lord. Jesus doesn't want volunteers. He seeks people who will serve him out of love, joy, and gratitude. So this week, serve him with your body your soul, and your mind in all you do. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we've been given so much. Sometimes we're like whiny little children just demanding more and more and more. Lord, help us to be grateful for what we've been given. Lord, help us to look at each day as an opportunity to serve you. And Lord, whatever comes into our life, May we just keep plugging away. May we just keep honoring you. May we just keep doing what you want us to do. And Lord, when the day comes that you are done with us here and we stand before you, Lord, may we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So help us as we serve this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen.